Hey there, it's Ross. You want to learn more about what it takes to actually be first with fans? Well, we've got a newsletter, V by Viacom, that will teach you just that. Subscribe, I do, at vbyviacom.com slash subscribe. Okay, here's the show. What's up? Welcome to Fan Club, the podcast that explores why we love what we love. I'm your host, Ross Martin. Our guest today is a provocateur who is so not afraid to say what he really thinks, no matter who's on the other end of the mic. I didn't like the album at all. And I was a Kanye West fan. Yeah. But Jesus was whack to me. Yeah, that's great. That's Charlemagne the God, best known as the straight-talking co-host of Power 105.1's hit morning show, The Breakfast Club. What do you think about Charlemagne the God in his opinion? I think he's cool. I think he's down to earth. Sometimes he could get a little... Out of control. He gets to the point, he say what he got to say. So, I kind of, I respect it. Do you ever think that he ever goes too far? Never. Some things need to be addressed and he ain't afraid to say it, so. He a prick, but my girl love him. <laughs> if I could ask Charlamagne one question, what would it be? Charlamagne, when you going to have me on the show? <laughs> we'll be talking with Charlamagne in just a minute. But first, let's explore how a character like Charlamagne the God Someone who brags about rubbing you the wrong way in real life becomes so beloved to fans. Here's a guy who has no filter. He says everything he wants to say. Nobody holds him back. And he not only gets away with it, but his fans have come to expect it of him. In fact, if he doesn't bring it, they're disappointed. How the F is Charlemagne not just getting away with it, but building a career and building fandoms based on that unabashed, authentic style. Here to help us understand why Charlemagne is a god to his fans is Jessica Zalkind. She's the Senior Vice President for Talent and Series Development at MTV. Jessica, welcome to Fan Club. Here I am. I want to talk to you about the guy, Charlemagne the God. How do you know him? So this goes back to 2009 is when um, we started to have a relationship with Charlemagne. <laughs> so we had this show back in 2009. It was called Hating on 2009. And it was basically a, taking a look back at the year and hating on all the things that went on. And, pe- you know, people in the building had mentioned his name to me. And I'm like, let's bring him in. Let's see what he'll, he'll be like. So we bring him on. And of course, he was amazing. So that's when it started. Did he have a following and a fan base already? Yeah, I mean, he definitely started to have a following. And people had talked about him. Um, a couple of people had mentioned him to me, but definitely it wasn't what it is now. But it wasn't even about him having a following. It, just hearing him on radio and just meeting him, you got right away what he was all about. And what, what about him made you a fan right away? Um, I think, and especially back then, he was just so genuine and he had such a distinct POV and he wasn't scared to say what he needed to say. And I think it's hard, especially when you're dealing with celebrities or pop culture, people sometimes, you know, don't want to go there and he's willing to, but I don't think he does it in a way that's too offensive and it seems really genuine. He's not doing it just to shock people. He really 
cares and is a huge fan of pop culture, news, and a variation of different topics. And I think um, that's where he's different from other people that just try to say things to be shocking. I think he really does care. But he, you know, he has a very unique way of doing things. You mentioned you mentioned other celebrities, and you deal with them all day long on the shows that you develop and produce. And my question is, Aren't the other celebrities kind of a little bit nervous around him because he is so real? I think, honestly, I thought about this a lot. And I think that in this day and age, everyone is so busy, especially celebrities. So if they're going to do an interview, they want to do an interview that's going to really resonate. And that's why they get interviewed by Charlemagne. They know he's not going to just ask them the questions that everyone's asking. So they want him to go there. You know, I mean, Hillary Clinton, Kanye West, like all those people, they know when they're being interviewed by him, it's not going to be easy, but they know that people are going to listen. So why do an interview unless it's going to really move the dial? And they know if they're going to get interviewed by him, it's going to move something. I, I really want to thank Jessica for diving so deep into this end of fan culture and talking about the God himself, Charlemagne. So Jessica Zalkind, SVP of Talent and Series Development at MTV, thank you so much for coming on Fan Club. Thank you. All right, enough. Now let's talk to the man himself, Charlemagne the God. Welcome to the show. Yes, sir. You describe yourself, which I, it's kind of amazing. You call yourself the prince of pissing people off. That's me. You said that. Yeah. And then the ruler of rubbing people the wrong way. That's me. Ruler of rubbing you the wrong way. Yeah. And then the architect of aggravation. That's all me. And my, There must be more. Um, prime minister of pissing people off, ruler of rubbing you the wrong way, architect aggravation. That's it. Those are but, all pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and that's all because, like, um, you know, ever since I watched Eminem and 8 Mile, I always do the 8 Mile Theory. And the 8 Mile Theory is, you know, at B-Rabbit at the end of 8 Mile said everything about himself that somebody could possibly say. Right, neutralizes. He neutralizes. So I just say it early. That's all. The thing is, though, you're also a pretty positive person. I, I, I like every, a lot of mornings you wake up and you say, thank God I'm alive. Here every comes morning. The day. And there's always somebody on Twitter telling me I wish you had died. There's always somebody on Twitter telling me I can't wait until you don't tweet this. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think about your haters as much because you have so much love coming at you. It looks like on social. I, don't... I subscribe to the rule of 10. Three people going to like it. Three people not going to like it. Four people just going to be on the fence about it. So that's why I tell people about anything. I don't care what project you put out. I don't care, you know, what song you put out, whatever. Somebody's going to have an opinion. Some people going to like it. Some people won't. You just got to hope that the love outweighs the hate by twos. But you seem to read it all. You're kind of checking it all out. Absolutely. Right? You don't hide from it. Nah, for what? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just your opinion. Like, I have my opinion on things. Mm-hmm. I can't be the person who has an opinion that you may not agree with. And right. then, you know, when you have an opinion about me, I'm all up in arms about it. Like, well, you know, it's just an opinion. It's interesting because it's sort of like a paradox here. Like, when I'm with you, I think you're the nicest guy. Like, wow, what a, what a guy. And very down to earth and genuine, authentic. That's always true for you. But then, like, the biggest star in the world will come into your studio before they even sit down. You're just, like, at it. Do you not like the reception Jesus has gotten? Because I, yeah. I, I didn't like the album at all. And I was a Kanye West fan. Yeah. But Jesus was whack to me. Yeah, that's great. Listen, I never do anything in malice. You know, even when I'm sitting down, I'm talking to these artists, I'm talking to them from the perspective of a fan, Uh you know. Because you're often a fan of your guests. Absolutely. But But I always tell people you have to be an objective fan, not a dick riding stan. 
Okay, and a lot of people in this industry, they're just a bunch of dick-riding stands. So they tell their artists everything that they want to hear about themselves and how great they are. Like, any, anytime you have an opposing opinion, they try to say, oh, he's hating. No, I've just got an opposing opinion. Like, I don't—I di- love Kanye. I, lo- I, I love Kanye's music, but I hated that album, Yeezus. I know you love him, but you also said— Kanye Kardashian is in the building. Oh, man. Kanye Kardashian. Kanye Kardashian. But what, how is he going to feel when you say that? He should feel like Kanye Kardashian. <laughs> like, that was one of those, If you now that the movie's, the get out has hit the right. theaters, yeah. people can realize, like, that's one of those moments, like, when the camera goes off yeah. and the flash hits the person. Yeah. So I'm hoping the Kanye Kardashian was the flash that was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, I am in a sunken place. Like, where, what have I become? Well, you almost, like, hold up a mirror to them. Absolutely. That's, that's the thing about the it's mirror. That's true. The mirror works two ways. The mirror, you can look at the mirror and see everything that's right with you. Or uh, you can look in the mirror and see everything that's wrong with you. It's hard for us to look in the mirror and see everything that's wrong with us. That's why you can put on a dope outfit and look in the mirror and think you're killing them, but then turn to your friend and be like, yo, what you think about this? And be like, nah, that ain't it, bro. I didn't but see that. There's something also a little bit fearless about you because you're, you're not even afraid to be as honest as somebody as big as like Hillary Clinton. Now, yes. listen, I just want you to know people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it working? Yeah. <laughs> I never do it in malice. Yeah. And I'm only talking about things that are quote unquote above the surface. Like it's everybody's talking about that. Everybody's talking about it. Like I'm not like like my job is not to get an answer. My job is to ask the question. Now, do you feel that fans expect you to do that? Well, here's the thing. I don't care what people expect. And I and I'm a, I'm a stern believer in that because I never want to become a caricature of myself. Like there's plenty of people who I love who have become characters to themselves. Like I watched Stephen A. on ESPN the first take, uh, Skip Bayless. Like I used to love those guys, but now it just seems like they're, they're playing into the perception they think people have of them. Okay, but it's true that you're expecting yourself to sort of hold up that mirror to whoever it walks in, whoever walks into your studio, and show no fear. Yeah, yeah like when Birdman came in and had that famous run in with you guys. Get it off your chest, Birdman. Said it already. I ain't got to talk no more. Cause I I don't understand the angle. Like what? Like what? Said it already. So why I come here? I did it already. I'm here. So what's happening? I mean, it's all good. But I'm, I'm saying, here. why? 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 And I'm here. What's happening? I'm all good. But I'm yeah, saying, I why say come that, here? Just Look, to I'm curse here. us what's up. What's happening, man? I wanted to see you. I wanted to talk to you and your man in your face. Absolutely. You understand me? I knew a few places you was at. I could have pulled up, but I don't think that was gangster. I wanted to come look in your face like a man and tell you how I feel. Okay. You understand me? Straight up like a man. So what's no the shit, issue? No sugar. Ain't no issue. If it was an issue, you, you'll feel me. I just come to let y'all know, stop putting some respect on my name. I ain't got no more talking. Let's rock. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't even think about it. Like, you don't I, think about it. Nah. You're just being yourself. Yeah, when they tell me that somebody's coming, I'm like, oh, wow, that's dope. I can't wait to sit down and have a conversation well, with that person. what about Martin Shkreli? I don't know how to say his last name. Martin Shkreli's a dickhead. Well, you, he walked in. You said, this is the guy who went at Ghostface, who jacked up the prices on the HIV AIDS pills. He had the goons in the background. Yes, he yes. came in here and tried to shake my hand. I said, nope, I can't shake your hand. I yes. need to know what you're all about first. All right. So first question, are you a privileged, entitled prick? No, come on. Do you think that those guys come in and go, all right, I'm going to see Charlemagne this morning. I know I got to go on that show because I need it. But then he's going to do something. I got to prepare myself for whatever he's going to do to me or he's going to ask. I think those guys come in and I think they're fully aware of uh, what everybody's saying about them on social media because we live in this age of transparency now. So it's like Martin's looked at his timeline and saw people call him a privileged, entitled prick. And he knows exactly why people call him that. Or maybe he doesn't know why. But he knows when he comes into the breakfast club, Charlemagne is going to bring up the fact he's a privileged, entitled. Yeah. Who's come into your studio that you're like, 
it's hard to imagine you being starstruck, but you were kind of like um, a little more excited than normal because somebody was coming in. I mean, it's it's never anybody like people would suspect. Like for me, it's the guys like Dick Gregory, uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, uh, you know, Michael Eric Dyson, Malcolm Gladwell. Like I'm a fan of the intellectuals, you know, people who's thought leaders. Yeah, thought leaders, people who you know I've 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 read about for years. You know, like I, I'm interested to see where their minds are at. Like you know, to actually have a conversation, to ask things that I've you know thought about when I've been reading their materials or something like that. It's like a real conversation. Absolutely, that's all it ever is. Like it's I hate not canned. Like like right now, me and you are having a conversation. Like yeah. I hate interviews because interviews seem like interrogations, and like I never want to keep hitting people person with a question right. after question after question. Right. Like it's a conversation. And like in, in the midst of that conversation, questions come up, you know, yeah. and you can choose to answer them or choose not to answer them. All right. It's time for a short break. When we come back, Charlemagne the God reveals one of his biggest literary influences. And I guarantee you'll be surprised. That's in a minute on Fan Club. Hey, guys. I want to take a quick break and tell you about a whole different way that you can learn about fandom. It's our newsletter. It comes out every week, and just like this podcast, it's full of all kinds of fascinating insights into the future of entertainment, media, marketing, and of course, fandom. Here's a few things that I learned recently when I was reading it. One, 88% of millennial men are comfortable with their significant other making more money than they do. Count me in. 82% of Gen Xers feel that work-life balance matters more than snagging a corner office. And third, when it comes to buying power, brands need to work a little harder to woo the LGBTQ community. Because we're talking about $917 billion up for grabs. You see what I mean? Media is changing faster than we all realize. It always is. Keep up. Learn something new every week, just like I do. Subscribe to the V by Viacom newsletter at vbyviacom.com slash subscribe. Okay, back to the show. You're listening to Fan Club, and I'm your host, Ross Martin. I'm talking with Charlemagne the God, of course, the ruler of rubbing you the wrong way. Now, Charlemagne, you have a new book out. It's called Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who create it. What's the book about? The book is um eight principles that I learned in my life that I want to share with the people. Like, you know, when I read uh, Robert Greene's books, or I read Don Miguel Ruiz, like the Four Agreements and stuff like that. They always give principles and then they use like things that happened in history to back up why their principles work. I'm just using things that happened in my life to back up why my principles work. And um, I named it Black Privilege because, you know, white people have been co-opting things from us for so long, so I decided to co-opt the the phrase white privilege. But, I mean, I truly do believe that it's a privilege to be black. I believe that it's a privilege to be alive, period. Like, you know, you think about, you know, what it took for us to get here. So it's just a privilege for all of us to be here. So this whole concept of, you know, white privilege— it's a very real concept, don't get me wrong, but I think it's it's more systemic than anything. But I think, you know, when you're talking about just, just black privilege, privilege to be alive, that's something spiritual. And, you know, I grew up, man, when they was telling us that 
black people were kings and queens and gods and goddesses and black power and black pride, black excellence. I feel like we've gotten away from that. So it's like, man, yo, black privilege. Like, why not? Do you think do you think it's a privilege to be black? If the answer is yes, then let's go. When did you begin to fall in love with literature? Well, my mother was an English teacher. Mm-hmm. My mother was an English teacher and she was a Jehovah Witness. So she always kept like a watchtower in my face or a wake, um, the, the, the book of Bible stories. And then I used to love the Book It program. And being that I used to love the Book It program, you eat four, pe- I mean, you, you read four books in a week, you get a free pizza. So I used to just like run through books. I ran through, and my mother used to always encourage me to read things that didn't have anything to do with me. So I was reading like Mad Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, Are You There, God? It's me, me Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, you yeah. Know, Blubber, yeah. super fudge, like all that stuff. I right. read I read every Judy Bloom book in the library, every yeah. Beverly Clearly book in the library. Then I started getting into the supernatural, so I'd be reading about UFOs and Sasquatch and all that kind of stuff like that. So I just always read, and well, then, you know, that, that, that turned into me reading, hearing about other literature like Message to the Black Man, 48 Laws of Plow, From Niggas to Gods by I Kill, like I just said, and that just, that just sparked my interest. But it's very interesting because I think that actually creates— in you, a character today whose references are very broad. Mm-hmm. And I hear you referring to things that, like, you know, it's just a really diverse set of references that you bring. Yeah. And I'm not sure everybody gets every one of them because y- you go from, like, Judy Bloom to Malcolm X, and I think you lose a few people along the way. But, but it's just about paying attention to everybody who's coming to your life, right? Like, you got my, like, my father was a Jehovah Witness, too, but then he got more into Islam. So being that he got more into Islam, he was letting me— Farrakhan. Farrakhan, yeah. Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad. My mom, English teacher, so I'm reading the Julie Bloom, Beverly Clearly. I go to my grandma's house. She got Days of Our Lives on in General Hospital, so I'm yeah. like— Bowen Hope Brady, like I just know all of these. I'm just I've, I've seen all of these different things. I like yeah. you know my wife. She starts watching Girlfriends on CW, and I'm into that. Or uh, you know Girls on HBO with Lena Dunham. You know, so it just goes back and forth. But then I still I'm in the hood watching Minister Society. And, and but it paid just seems like you're open. Your filter is so open that yeah. you just want to take as much in as you can and then process or metabolize it and then make it yours. I mean, that's the beauty of America. Like, we should yeah. take full advantage of the fact that America is a great melting pot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a whole— And that's why I like to meet people and, and, and talk to people because people put you on to things that you weren't inclined to right. possibly know if you didn't meet, some, so meet somebody. Do you sometimes think about the, the responsibility of that? Like, Absolutely. And what to do with it? Absolutely. I mean, I've always historically done it, but I feel like I'm doing it more now. But I've always grabbed people who were way smarter than me and and, and let them have my platforms. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would ra- I, yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know a lot about finance. I think that right now is the time where we all need to be empowering ourselves economically. Come on The Breakfast Club. Come on The Brilliant Idiots Podcast. You know, Malcolm Gladwell, you got a lot to offer. Come on The Podcast. Michael Eric Dyson, you know, Angela Rye, you know, who's who's a voice that I think is very necessary right now, you know, black woman. And I feel like black women's voices are cutting through more than anybody right now. So, you know, if I can help her uplift her voice with my platforms, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, I've always been aware of that responsibility. Because of Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. And you're kind of, it sounds like you're using your platform to really expand people's minds. Absolutely. You got to put the medicine in the candy. Right. But it's what you were taught growing up, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you had all these inputs coming from different directions, and now you have the platform and the reach and the connection with your fans, and you're saying, hey, let me bring this person on my show. You may not have ever heard of him or her before, yeah. but I feel like if 
I expose that way of thinking to you, maybe it'll open your mind up to some new reality. You'll love it. See, the thing about the truth is, the truth is like like sunlight. You ever read that story about... Um, Sun and the wind were battling to see who they could make they could make this guy take his jacket off. Oh. Right? So the wind is huffing and puffing and blowing. Really made the guy grab his jacket tight and hold on to his hat and everything. The sun comes out and the sun's warm and gentle and you know, those rays of sunlight just caused the dude to just just be open. He just took everything off. He got butt naked and laid under a tree. So to me, that's what the truth is like. The truth is like those sunlight and those sun rays. Like once you're hit with it, once you're exposed to it, you're just open to it. Like you just want to lay down and take it all in. So regardless of who it's coming from, you could just feel it when it's coming through those speakers. You feel it when you hear it. And that's what I think a lot of those voices I bring on the Breakfast Club on my podcast or the TV show do. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's like, I definitely I definitely feel that responsibility, man. I I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Because that's what somebody did for me when I was younger. Something somewhere that somebody, some, somebody exposed me to something when I was young that just triggered me to just being open and wanting to be a better human being. So I feel like I got to pay that for it. Outside of what people would expect, mm-hmm. what are you a fan of? I, that's a broad question because I am a fan of so many different things, man. And like right now, I think we live in the greatest time because there's no demographics anymore. Like, like somebody like Khaled is 43 years old. Or Two Chains is, you know, about to be 40. Rick Ross is over 40. Like all of these people that we love that have so such impacts on the culture are, are older, but then you got the younger guys like the Chance the Rappers and Chances at the Grammy shouting out DJ Drama, who's a older mixtape legend staple. Like we've never seen, and that's the beauty of hip hop. We've never seen a, a genre where the demos are so blended. Like Jay Z and Future can be on a song. That's a father son record, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, an a, a older guy who grew up on Jay-Z can be with his son in the car who loves Future, and they both vibe into this record together. Like, that's something that hasn't been tapped into yet. You know what I mean? Because, like, a lot of these corporations still believe in demographics, but they're not really paying attention to how the world actually is now. Like, nobody cares about things like age. They care about cool. Do you think that you're changing people? I would hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's one person, mm-hmm. if one person tunes into the Breakfast Club or Uncommon Sense and they, you know, something sparks in their mind that makes them change their, their thoughts or makes them feel like they want to do more or they learn something, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. So I hope so. Absolutely. Like, that's the point. That's a great place to end. I want to thank Charlemagne the God for thank coming you. on Fan Club. Thank you for having me on Fan Club. And please go buy my book. Black Privilege, Opportunity Comes to Those Who Created. It's out right now. You can get it wherever books are sold. Charlemagne the God, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. That was Charlemagne the God. You can catch him every weekday morning on Power 105.1's The Breakfast Club or his podcast, Brilliant Idiots, or his television show, Uncommon Sense on MTV2. And you can also read his book, Black Privilege, which is out now. And that's our show. Fan Club is a V by Viacom and Pineapple Studios production. Max from Pineapple, what are you a fan of? I'm a fan of uh, the Boston Celtics. And our executive producer is Brooke DeVard. I'm Russ Martin. On our next episode of Fan Club, why would anyone in their right mind wait more than two hours for cookie dough? Get ready to listen to some foodies. That's next time on Fan Club.